so good to be back with y'all this morning. If uh, this is your first time here, I'm Sam, and I'm currently serving uh, Perch as the church plant resident. This means I'm here to learn from Perch about how to lead uh, and serve at a church plant. Well, I'm not just here to learn, though. I'm also here to serve and contribute, which is why Pastor Al has me speaking today. So thanks for dropping by to worship with us. I'm thankful to be able to round out the end of our monthly theme on knowing or know thyself since it's a topic that's also important and personal to me. Throughout the month, we've learned through Pastor Al's messages that to know thyself means that as Christians, we ought to be mindful of the things that we consume. Through Grow Thyself, we learned that sometimes there are leaves or parts of ourselves that we need to shed in order to allow healthier growth to take place. And finally, in Show Thyself, we learn that we need to take God up on his invitations to seasons where he teaches us about ourselves because he knows us best. But before we continue today, please allow me to begin with a prayer. God, thanks for today. Thanks for all of the people who are joining us, wherever they are. Um, won't you keep us safe? Uh, it's raining and it's cold. Um, and so just be with all the people who are outside, but um, protect us, God. And uh, we just ask that you would just be with us today as we once again crack open your word and just see what you have for us um, as we round out our month on knowing thyself. We thank you uh, for being the God who makes this possible. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be with us, that you would be in charge of this message, uh, not me. We thank you in your name and pray. Amen. Okay. Today, I want to round out our time on the theme of Know Thyself by answering the question, what's at stake when it comes to becoming more self-aware and learning more about ourselves? What do we have to gain from embarking on what can seem like the hard work of searching deep into our inner selves? What do we stand to forfeit if we forego the invite from the Lord to search within. Why bother? Is it really that important that we get to know ourselves better? These questions are important to ask because for many of us, just surviving is work enough and pausing, casting our gaze internally and thinking or questioning can seem like a big bother when it seems like it's easier just to leave well enough alone. Well, scholars from outside Christendom to within speak of the importance of knowing ourselves. Socrates, the great Greek philosopher, once said, The unexamined life is not worth living. Another way to look at this quote might be to say, self-examination is a necessary component of a well-lived life. On the other hand, one of the greatest theologians of our faith, John Calvin, said this in his Institutes of the Christian Faith. Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Calvin goes on to mention that true wisdom consists of two things, knowledge of God and knowledge of self. 
Without knowledge uh, of ourselves, our limitedness, our brokenness, and therefore our need for care, our need for saving, we cannot know of the one who ultimately cares, the one who ultimately saves, who's God. And without the knowledge of ourselves and the knowledge of God, we cannot have true wisdom. So, if Christians and non-Christians alike can agree that it's important to be in the know, then we should be able to surmise that the stakes are pretty high for one who endeavors toward the cause of knowing oneself. There is much to be gained for those of us who embark on the journey and equally much to lose should we reject the invite. Now, to reject the offer of self-examination is an act of ignorance. It means that we're willing to overlook things about ourselves. When we overlook things about ourselves, it can turn into fear, a fear of the unknown. But first John says this about fear for one who is affected by the unconditional love of God. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We who have experienced God's perfect love know that thanks to Jesus, we don't have to fear judgment condemnation, reprisal, or punishment. Now, both Charlene and I have had our collective and individual journeys in self-examination and becoming more knowledgeable and aware about ourselves. One thing that we've learned about ourselves through exposing our hearts to God through safe spaces like therapy and mentorship is that every time we've stared into the abyss of ourselves, and because of our shame, expected condemnation, what we've experienced is, instead overwhelming care and grace from God and from the people God has surrounded us with. Well, today, I want to talk about just a few things the Bible says are at stake for those of us who boldly and courageously step into the darkness of ourselves. First, God enables us to approach and process the thoughts and feelings of our broken hearts. Jeremiah 17, 7-10 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a, a tree planted by the water, that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds desire. Our hearts, just like anything else that is vulnerable, wants to protect itself. But in our brokenness, our hearts can deceive us into thinking that we need to shield ourselves by isolation from exposure, from elements outside of us. The only problem is that our hearts can also deceive us into thinking that we need to protect ourselves from God as well. Our hearts can get us thinking that perhaps we don't need God and we can survive on our own. 
we can, we can get defensive towards God. Many of us unknowingly already live this way. Like many people, I grew up with a daddy wound. This means that early on in life, I experienced trauma from my father that affected my outlook on life and the choices that I would make in some profound ways. I grew up not really depending on my dad because for 10 years of my life, he wasn't there. All of a sudden, when he tried to be a father figure in my adolescence, I harbored a deep resentment toward him. I couldn't trust him and my heart needed to protect itself, so I became fiercely suspicious of male authority figures. I didn't realize until much later after I became a Christian that I carried this sentiment into my relationship with God, who is our Heavenly Father. Once I realized that I harbored the same resentment and suspicion towards God as I did my earthly father, even though he and my earthly father were nothing alike, it helped me to start uh, stop reflecting on my human experiences onto God and instead to start reflecting my experiences with God upon my very human father. Eventually, I was able to forgive my dad for my early child experiences thanks to learning about my tendency to be defensive to God. Jeremiah says that though our hearts can be deceitful as a result of our brokenness, that those who trust in the Lord are blessed because we don't have to be worried or fearful about times of spiritual dryness or times when we feel like we're in the fire. He is in charge of tending to our feelings and our thoughts. He will not only sustain us through our times of reflection, introspection, and learning about ourselves, but he will use it to help grow us and help us thrive. Secondly, God helps us to become more genuine, honest, and truthful about our desires. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says this about our core desires. We know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a pretty well-known passage, though I wonder if it's for the actual message that Paul is trying to give, or because his wording is such that it causes some confusion unless studied very intently. But the basic gist is this. Our brokenness and sin clouds our ability to know and act upon our true and core desires and instead, we settle for self-medicating an unhealthy brand of autonomy and independence or a legalistic bent towards self-righteousness. 
Paul says that Christ is the only one who can deliver us from being perpetually blind to the things that our hearts truly desire, which is to be known and to be loved. And if we know the true source of both of those things, then we ought to know that what we truly desire is God. I have a lot of experience of doing what I ought not do, and in turn, not doing what I know I ought to do. Uh, as I have mentioned, I suffered lots of early childhood trauma, from early abandonment by my biological mom, to being left by my dad, to live with my aunt and uncle, feeling like I wasn't wanted by my adoptive family, or quite honestly, really anyone. As a result, I became a self-soother, uh, developing an addictive personality. From an early age, I was comfort eating to relieve my stress from emotions I couldn't handle. Um, when I was in fourth grade, I was exposed to porn for the first time, which began a complicated relationship with addiction that I still receive therapy for today. In college and post-college, it was alcohol and substance abuse until I got a DUI in 2008. If there was something to stuff into the hole in my heart, I stuffed it. I didn't realize until I came back to church and was accepted by the people there that I was also accepted by my Creator, my Savior, my Heavenly Father. That the hole in my heart was a God-shaped hole. Subsequently, with lots of searching and learning about addiction and learning about myself, I've learned a couple things. First that addiction is most often an intimacy deficiency. And second, that what I need to counteract, what I do not want to do, is to be more honest and genuine in my core desire, which is to engage in more relational intimacy with others, including God. This is good since we're called as Christians to live in the light of truth, forgiveness, and love. The more I lean into being more honest and genuine with my desires, the more that through Christ I can do more of what I want to do instead of what I ought not to do. Thirdly, and finally, God helps us to become more vigilant in connecting and knowing others. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting each other, as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we know that we are saved by Jesus, who is the high priest, who has once and for all sacrificed for our sins on the cross, then we know that we can assuredly enter into our relationship with God because we have been made clean. We can engage God and accept his invitation to us to explore, test, and examine the deeper the deepest and what we think are the darkest parts of ourselves because God's promise to redeem us endures through Christ. This gives us the opportunity to not just be known by God and to know God and to know ourselves better, but to most but it most certainly opens the pathways for us to also connect with others through honest communication and genuine understanding. We can pour out uh, uh, for others what God has poured out for us. We can lean into others with vulnerability and without suspicion to be known by them, whilst also humbly listening and receiving their stories and with grace and love getting to know them. This is how we spur and encourage one another towards an even greater faith backed up through living life in Christly love together. You know, I joined group therapy in March of 2019. When I joined, I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I just knew that I needed to deal with the addictive tendencies that I had dealt with almost my whole life. Marriage was getting tougher because I felt like I was building walls between myself and Charlene. I was in my first full-time pastoral position. I had just finished seminary and I was up for ordination and I didn't want to be a minister that had done nothing to help me be accountable. It made me feel a little better knowing that I was joining a group of pastors they would get it. The rigors of the calling and the heartbreaks. I was desperate, so I was willing to do anything. Sharing was a part of the process, so I shared. Listening without judgment to my groupmates was a part of the process, so I listened without judgment. What I've learned is that we were all men who desperately loved God and wanted to, to do right by him and the people whom we serve. We are also deeply afflicted by traumas from the past, and until we joined the group, we didn't know how much of the past affected our choices in our present. As we've shared, listened, accepted, and loved like Christ loves us, well, I'll say for myself that I've become more of a genuine sharer. I've learned to access and verbalize more of the spectrum of my emotions without having to feel like I have to be apologetic. I've also become a better listener. I meet the speaker where they are, not where I think they ought to be. I've become more empathetic. I've become more present to people. And it's all because I've come to know these men 
and I've become truly known by these men. I've communicated truth to them, and I've understood truth from them. When I fall off the wagon, the temptation sometimes is great to just not show up to group. But if I really know that I have the confidence of having Jesus as my high priest, and I know from each week of meeting with these guys since 2019 that I'll be listened to and accepted and safe, and they spurn me on towards better, then I can't give up on meeting with them. You know, in the end, God is the linchpin. He makes all this possible. Without him, there's no safety to embark into the abyss of what we don't yet know about ourselves. Sometimes the abyss is such that we don't even know what we don't know about ourselves. But by teaching and reteaching ourselves the gospel daily, we are able to enter into the doorway of our hearts with safety. Perch, I hope that through our time together, I've shown that there is so much to gain should you take God up on his invitation to you for such occasions of growth in knowing ourselves better. You don't have to fear seasons of self-examination and testing. God loves you. He's not in the business of punishing you, but redeeming you. I'll close with this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul gives his final exhortation. He says, examine yourselves to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? Brothers and sisters, Christ Jesus is in you. My prayer is that you would not forfeit the opportunity to gain the wisdom that is available as we learn more about ourselves and through that learn more about God. I also pray that you would not forfeit the ability to learn and live more genuinely according to the true desires of your heart that is molded after the image of God. Finally, I pray that as you gain wisdom of who you truly are through who God is and unearth what is genuine in your heart from your Creator, that you would be an instrument of the gospel to others that is genuine, vulnerable, gracious and loving let's pray god we thank you so much for today um we've learned so much through the month about um, knowing thyself and god we know that because of you that we are in the know that you um know us that we are known by you that you invite us to know you and you invite us into the safety of knowing ourselves and so, God, this week and forevermore, won't you help us to um, really teach and reteach ourselves that gospel, that we are safe with you, that you are our high priest, um, that you have already bought for us through the sacrifice on the cross, our forgiveness and our righteousness, not our own, but yours. And so help us to really look into the abyss, um, to know ourselves and to become more like you every single day. And that as we become more like you, that we would provide that same kind of safety 
to all the people who you surround us with. God, we thank you so much for this time. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Perch. Have a great week.